blessing to have you here. And Lance is in Florida. And Lance, let's talk about your first two deals, both on market. And Lance is also a fast tracker, so he kind of knows the, the weekly routine here. But but Lance, thank you for taking the time to be here. And kind of like we do, you've seen how we do this a little bit, but maybe start out with your journey and kind of how you got your start in real estate. Uh, maybe how you have a connection to me. And then we're going to break in and we're going to talk about your first couple of deals that you've done and try to get into the nuts and bolts a little bit and break those down. What I'm most fascinated about is that these were on market and in Florida, kind of like when we, we recently did an interview in Texas. And that was fun as well, because it's a non-dual agency state. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But but Lance, yep. tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So the short end, basically, my mom came to me one day and said, hey, I think I'm going to sell the house. She's like, I'm just going to sell it for what I owe. I was like, mm, yeah, let's think about that. So I kind of dug into it, you know, started running comps and so forth. And I said, all right, you can get way more. So that whole process there, dealing with her and, you know, selling her house kind of got me refascinated back into construction and real estate and so forth like that. So then that leads me to YouTubing uh, and that leads me to you, one of the greatest flippers to ever do it. Binge watching one night YouTube videos. And then really from there, just waking up the next day, like, let's see what's on market. You know, your whole strategy with uh, dual agency, double dipping, started just making phone calls. One thing led to the another. How long was it from that night of binging YouTube to that first deal? How long was that process? I think it was about two to three weeks. So fast. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Really so fast. I've only, yeah, I've only been a real estate investor per se for two months. I was at the end of November is when I started. And now here it's at the end of February or beginning of March. But yeah. Okay. So so really brand new. I mean, just a few months ago. To date, since that since that night in November till till now, you did the you did the one wholesale deal, then another wholesale deal, and that's where you're at right now, and, and working on some other deals. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Man, that's that's pretty incredible. So you just took massive action. I mean, to go from that dabble stage or the learning education stage to I'm calling and making an offer, that was a pretty fast process. Yeah, because you know your videos got me excited. I've always been fascinated with real estate. So what was that process like though? I mean, like, was there a lack of confidence or just extreme confidence? Were you scared picking up the phone and calling an agent and making an offer? What was that like for you? Was that something you had to work through or just you were natural at it or what? Uh, so I'm a salesman at trade. Okay. Um, I, I do sales for pest control. So that's what I do my day job. That it's says a lot, Lance. So rejection is not something that you shy from. You get it. That's a numbers oh, game. Yeah. People Absolutely. are going to say no. They're going to slam the door in your face. They're going to they're going to tell you to f off. You're going to get all that, and you just roll with it. It's okay. Absolutely. It's always yeah. Anything in sales is always this many no's equals one yes, and that's just how it you always get it. is. Talk about that. I mean, we have a lot of people. I, I talk to a lot of people. I coach a lot of people, and they really struggle with that rejection and the maybe not having all the answers or looking dumb or all of these concerns about I've got to know everything before I can do anything. And how do you work through that? What would you tell somebody? You got some sales background. What would you say would be the biggest thing that somebody could do if they're getting into this game, they're they're new like you, and there's no way around it. You don't get deals if you don't make offers. You got to pick up the phone and talk to somebody and say, here's a number. What would you tell somebody to work through that? So we hear it all the time. You know, what's the worst they can say is no, right? <laughs> so for me, that's kind of like crazy to say, but that's the best thing, you know, for a newbie that they can say is no, because at least you stepped into it and you got a conversation out of it, right? 
I always say that's the best thing, right? So that gets you, you had a conversation. Now you get to regroup and, you know, see what mistakes you made, go from there, correct your mistakes or try to get better at your mistakes. Um, I'm a huge believer in, you know, failure, failure, failure is, is how you learn. And that oh, goes yeah. with anything. You can put that towards anything in life. If you think about that, Lance, and everybody listening, that's a really great perspective because here's what happens. You talk to somebody and you make an offer and they say no, and you're like, okay, well, why? And then they bring an objection and you don't know how to handle the objection because you're new and you've never heard that one before, but because you're in the habit of picking up the phone and making the, the call and doing the offer, those objections just come at you one, one after the other, another one, another one, another one, another one. Pretty soon you're like, you're starting to hear the same objections. And then after a while, there's only so many objections and you know them all. And then you just do that enough times and pretty soon there's no more objections, right? Right. Correct. (laughs) And that's sales, right? That's on the phones. You do have an unfair advantage if you've got a sales background because people with a non-sales background, it's a big thing to try to learn how to overcome getting on the phone, making sales, overcoming objections, dealing with rejection. But cold calling, talking on the phone, getting that rejection is just rolls. It just rolls off you like water off a duck. It's like not a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys, you got to grow thick skin. You cannot be good at this business if you're going to take it personally. You cannot take rejection personally. When you can get to a place where you roll with it, and I love what Lance said, I have the same mindset. Every no is that much closer to a yes. So in a way, you can say when someone says no, you can hang up the phone and say, awesome, I'm that much closer to a yes. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for that no. I'm that much closer to a, a deal. Now you're professing to the universe that your yes is right around the corner. In fact, your yes is probably this next call. And when you pick up the phone and you're anticipating that this one's the yes, that comes across in your demeanor and the way you communicate, your nonverbal, your attitude, your tonality, your confidence comes through the phone. You're deserving of a yes and you're going to get that yes because you believe it. The top salespeople, it's not that they have better skills and they got a better script or they have more knowledge. It's none of that. It's just their confidence, their their belief that they deserve a deal. That is what gets them the deal. Would you agree, Lance? A hundred percent. Yeah. Before I make any call, I say it. I'm like, all right, yeah. this is the one where I'm going to get this huge, you know, split and profit. But I just tell it to myself and then make the call. In fact, there's another thought that I like to have, which is if I'm not making my offer where it's it should be a no, like it's ridiculously a no, I'm not offering low enough. The way Math works in this business is since it's a numbers game, all it is is you do it enough times and you're going to get the yes. So when I get that yes, it's going to be a home run deal because Mm -hmm. I'm making such ridiculously low offers that it should be no. Most of the time it's going to be no. In fact, if they're not saying no, then I'm not offering low enough. Correct. Because remember, our business is defined ready and willing sellers that are motivated. We're not creating motivation, we're finding motivation. I never convince a seller or an agent that they should take my offer. Rather, I want to just get on the phone and talk to somebody who's already in that place. They're already extremely motivated. And I'm just happen to be in the right place at the right time because I pick up the phone and do the call every day. And that's where you get the best deals. Right place at the right time because you're picking up the phone every day. Yeah. And, And the biggest thing I would say that I've learned, because like any new real estate investor, you think the real estate agent knows everything. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you now, I could confidently say, and I've only been doing it for you know a couple months. In my market, I probably know more than eighty percent of all the oh, yeah. 
And it's as simple as that. That, that. So that's the biggest hurdle you have to get over. You think you're calling this agent and they're a professional, right? Because they're supposed to be. And yeah. they honestly don't know more, know more than you do. You yeah, know? I record a lot of calls I do with agents. They'll say things to me and I'll, and I'll just challenge it. I'll be like, wait a minute, why? Why? That's not right. That's not true. Why? It's coming from a place of confidence. I don't mean it in a, I'm not trying to be belligerent, but I'm not taking anything they say at face value. Nothing. Like they could tell me whatever they want to tell me. And I'm going to be like, I don't think so. No, we're, we're, you're still going to call the seller and make my offer. I know you just said that the seller won't take my offer, but you don't know that. So don't tell me, you know that. And when you come from a place of confidence in what you're doing, and then also, like you just said, never accepting what an agent tells you as truth, always question what they tell you. Then now all of a sudden you're just, you're able to have a conversation where you can get somewhere with the conversation. You can push yourself forward in a huge way because what happens is, is newbies will, the agent will say something and the newbie will be like, oh, okay, well, that must be how it is or that must be true. No, it's not true. I don't care what that agent said. That doesn't mean it's true. It might be true, but you need to assume it's not true. And you're going to be way better off assuming whatever they tell you is not true. So I love that. That's the right mindset to have about it. So Lance, let's talk about the first deal and then we'll go to the second deal. So you are in Florida, extremely extremely competitive market, one of the most competitive markets in the US. You're in Polk County, which is a hot county. Mm-hmm. And um, and so let's walk through the process. So this is on market, which means listed for sale with a real estate agent. So you set up some searches, you get this lead. What happened? How was your analysis? How did the phone call go with, this, with the agent? Uh, it was listed at 140. Their photographer was amazing, right? Because you know the pictures look like 140. Oh, you got a steal. I seen it went in and out of contract a few times. So I knew I had some kind of motivation there, right? So Uh, they made it look better than it really was, which means it fell apart. 100%. 100%. So people got excited, then they went out and looked at it and, oh, oops, it's not that great. And then they back back out. Okay. I called agent. He said, yeah, I'm going back under contract today. And he just started talking, right? You say it all the time. You know, you just let let them talk and they'll tell you everything, right? And this is <laughs> one, of, one of them agents that was going on. The seller says, you know, you can get it for this price. You know, that's their bottom line. I said, okay, perfect. Well, this is what we do. I said, well, what's their inspection period? He said, three days. He said, they're coming from four hours away. I said, well, this is what we'll do. I'll follow, you, follow up with you uh, in three days. You know, if it falls through, then we'll get it under contract and I'll come out there, take a look and we'll go from there. So I text him on day two. I said, Hey, how's it going? He said, they haven't even showed up for inspection falling apart. I said, perfect. So fell apart. I put it under contract for 93. 93 guys, listen to this 140 list, 93 contract. Now you said that the agent told you the seller's number. Did he tell you 93? He did. He did. Okay. It gets better than that. All right. I went out there Right off the bat, I understood why it was falling out of contract. Yeah. Foundation issues needed everything, head to toe, total rehab. I did your method calling realtors, asking if they had any investors, you know, that yeah. wanted to buy properties in that area. I set up a few, you know, of uh, them cash buyers to come out there. They got back with me, said, no way. So like you said. Because of foundation issues. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So like you said, ask them why. So I asked them why. I said, what, what would you pay for yeah. this property, right? Simple as that. So they told me a few numbers. So with the numbers that they told me, I had to go back <laughs> and ask for a price reduction. Yeah. So I went back, it went from 93, it went down to 67, I think, 67. Because you had a buyer for 70 something. Correct. 
Yeah. So that was day seven already in the inspection period after I got it under contract. Right. So how many days? Ten. Okay. So you had a 10 day inspection. Day seven, you renegotiated or you find out your buyer number? I renegotiated. Okay. On day seven. So as soon as they did a price reduction contingency, they cut off my inspection period. Right. They said, if we're going to agree to this, this is common. They said, we'll take your number, but we're going to end inspection. Absolutely. Okay. So then the pressure was really on. Yeah. I'm on the hook. I can't, I can't back out now. Right. What was your earnest money? 500. Okay. I went back to that same cash buyer. He told me no. Oh, I was like, great. So I went back to the drawing boards, started calling real estate agents. Let's share that strategy real quick, Lance. So one of the strategies I teach is once you get a deal, go to the neighborhood where your deal is and look up the flippers in the market. And you know, they're flippers because they listed and sold a property that was fixed up. So you see it's renovated, it's vacant, maybe staged. Call the agent that represented that flipper and say to the agent, hey, I see you represented a flipper. I got a deal nearby. See if, you're, see if your flipper is interested. Because th- those are going to be your best buyers because they're already actively doing deals in the same neighborhood. So Lance called up agents. The one who told you a number actually was not legit, which happens. Back to the drawing board, started calling again on to agents that represented flippers in the market. And then what happened? So called an agent. He said, yeah, I do have an investor. He said, but I'm looking to buy one myself. <laughs> He said, I had a deal fall through. I had the funding. I have to spend it. I said, okay, go look at it. Got back with me. And this was his first wholesale deal that realtor has ever done. Yeah. He didn't even understand the process that I was assigning it to him yeah. and so forth like that. So I had to walk a realtor through this whole process as well. Uh, so that was nerve wracking to me because this is my first process. Now yeah. I'm walking a realtor through his first process. <laughs> Uh, I was a mess. I was a mess, yeah. you know, not knowing what to do, whatever. I was just going and making mistake after mistake and just walking through the process. Just figuring it out. So that was Absolutely. for, that must have been for like 73 or something like that. 74. I yeah. Think it was. Yeah. Cause you uh, said you made like six or something. Correct. Locked it up. That realtor bought it. No issues. Closed on it. Done deal. So basically it was listed for 140. My contract price that I ended up getting it for was 68. That's what I got it for. 68, wholesaled it for 74. Got it. Yep. Now I forgot to ask you before we got to the buyer, walk us through the dual the double dip part. Because you're in Florida and technically in Florida, there's no dual agency. How did you get around that? So I never even been questioned about it. I simply said you would represent me as well as the buyer. And I've no one's ever told me, no, I don't do that. Or I, I think everybody does it here. Yeah, what and they're they, doing, I've, I've gotten some more feedback from people. They're just not calling it dual agency. Correct. Everybody listening right now, you can do the same technique in Florida and Texas. It's happening. Lance did it twice. Don't worry about how the agent's going to figure out how they're getting double commission. That's not your job. You don't even need to know what they're doing. Just offer that you're going to let them represent you. They can have the other side of the commission. So the way I handle this, I just say, look, I'm unrepresented. I'd like for you to represent me in some way. I'd like for you to get the other side of the commission. If that's beneficial to you, you figure out how you want to do it. And they all have their way of doing it. And that's it. You don't need to worry about it. Just offer it. And that's what Lance did and got it done. Okay. So first deal, 6,000. Now let's talk about the second one. Walk us through that one. So this is how my own market strategy goes. So I've kind of learned, right? So this is a very hot market. So there are higher bidders than me. 
And it's as simple as that because they are real cash buyers. Yeah. Right. So they're not making a wholesale profit assignment fee, yeah. whatever. So what I like to do on my own market deals is I will set alerts. Once it goes in and out of contract at least once, that's when I pick up the phone. So you want it when it's when it's gone pending and then back on market. Correct. Brilliant. I like that. Here's the strategy, guys. When, when a property goes pending, it basically comes off the market, time goes by, and then when it falls through, that seller now is even more distressed. They're even more motivated because they're like, oh, crap. Now I got to find a new buyer. They uncover problems usually, right? And so now they have to disclose there's a problem. It just really puts the seller in a tougher spot, which makes them even more motivated. Correct. So you can actually set up in Redfin or Zillow to notify you when there's a price change or when there's a status change. Correct. Yep. So then what will happen is every time a property changes, price goes down or up, it could be pending. So it was active, now it's pending or pending, now active. And that's what Lance is watching for. Correct. The second deal, I had one of them alerts for the status change. Um, It went back pending. This was actually the third time it was in and out of contract. So I was like, all right, this is a good one. I'm sitting at my daughter's soccer game. I get this alert. I'm like, I have to make this phone call. (laughs) So I stepped away, made the phone call. This property was listed at 175. I told him 135, I think. He said, yeah, seller would do that all day long. I promise you. So I said, well, let's verbally agree on that. He said, yep, I'll hold it for you. Go to look at it, meet the realtor. Took my uh, contractor out there with me. We looked at it, found plenty of issues. Same thing. Reason why it kept going in and out. Structural issues. Looked at them right then and there. I said, look, to make this a deal for me, I have to get it at 85. And in my head, I was actually going to fix and flip this one. He said, okay, let me make a phone call. He said, I'll call you back. Five minutes later, he called me back as I was driving down the road. He said, let's do it. So it was listed at 175. I got it under contract at 85. Huge difference. Crazy. Lance, where did you get 85? Like, where'd you get that number? I figured out ARV from comps off of Zillow and Redfin in the uh-huh. area. I did, you know, the strategy you teach times 0.70, then minus repairs. Yep. Then that's my buy price. Okay. So when I got out there and my guy told me, nah, you know, rehab is going to be more 30,000 or 50,000, whatever he told me. I said, all right. So I just, I had 20 already allotted. I just minus 30 or whatever from that. I said, let me get Perfect. a few more to see if I can get a few more thousand off of yep. it. I actually think I even tried to get 80 and we came up to 85. He said, I have to clear 80 after closing. I said, well, 85 will get you there after your fees and whatnot. And so 85 it was. And at this point though, when you renegotiated it, you weren't renegotiating it based on buyer feedback like the other one. You you renegotiated it based on a legit number to fix and flip. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. So now you got it at 85 and then what happened? So then it's the hard money game, right? So I actually went on to your Flipster site and uh-huh. I think you have some category where you can put in the deal yeah. information. And literally I put in the deal information. Two minutes later, my phone was ringing. Off the- <laughs> I couldn't so that's get it. Called, uh, that's called the funding matchmaker. That's only available for prime subscribers, but it's pretty sweet. How many phone calls did you get? Literally probably no lie, 25 to 30. That many? Oh yeah. Yeah. My phone did not stop ringing that whole night. Uh, <laughs> And it was, yeah, it was so stressful because I didn't know who to pick, who to, yeah. you know, 
so they're all salesmen too, right? When yeah. they pick up the phone, they're salesmen, right? So I know all the pitches. I said, look, you're not going to close me tonight. Okay. I can, I can understand the sales words that you're saying. I said, <laughs> I said it's, it's not going to happen. I said, give me your terms and I'm reviewing everybody and then we'll make a decision. So, you know, found one, sent him all my information. You know, he said, all right, perfect. This is going to work. They were doing an 85% for purchase price, hundred percent funding. Those are great terms. Yeah. Right, especially what was the interest and points? Uh, 10 and I think three points. Okay. Okay. So, so points are kind of high. Interest is good, but yeah. Correct. So that was about the average that I found. Yeah. Um, so I started going through that whole process, sent them all my information because I heard, hear you say, you know, borrow private money for the 15%. Mm-hmm. Well, I have enough funding to cover the 15%, but I was like, let's see if it works. I want to find private money, right? Yeah. First call it to my mom. Mom, I know you got extra money. Let me borrow this amount. You know, I'll pay you back this amount whenever the flip's done. Of course, she told me no the first day. I called her again. I said, look, this is for real, mom. How much did uh, you offer her in interest? I did my mom 12%. I was trying everything yeah. to get it, right? That's so fine. Was, Where's she earning 12%? Probably nowhere. Nowhere. No, she yeah. has her money in a marketplace. Uh, okay. Yeah, 0. 0.04. Yeah, yeah. So then she agreed to it. So per- borrowed her money. So I have it. But so that's not this, like, how much is that? So it was like 24, okay. I think it was, something like that. Okay. Had it sitting ready. So then we're only waiting on an appraisal, appraisal set for this date. I get a phone call. Appraisal is not going to be there. You know, he backed out, not going to show up. I cannot get nobody else out there. Appraisals are the biggest issue with hard money right now is getting appraisals on time for your closings. And that was probably 10 days before closing stressing out again. Now I have to wholesale it. Yeah. You're out of time. Cause he was like, well, we can get an appraisal, but we have to move closing back, you know, another month or something like that. I was like, no way. Buyers is going to do that. Yeah. Deal's going to fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. So I have to wholesale it. So I went online again. I looked at the biggest flipper there was, and I see their signs all over the place, picked up the phone said, Hey, this is what I got. This is the price. Um, they said, fine, I'll go check it out. Then they, uh, they try to lowball me. I said, no. And I could have got it for more than what I did the 11, but I was so nervous, so scared. I was like, I got to get this off my hands. You agreed <laughs> to, you know, assignment fee of 11,000. Perfect. Get it out of here. What do you think you could have got out of them? I honestly, probably 15. I could have got yeah. 15. Yeah. Easy. Another, another four or five, probably all day long. Yeah. Yeah. But they took it for the 11. Correct. Yeah. Now, the first one, it was an agent. He just was looking for a deal for himself. He didn't know anything about the assignment process. You walked through it, you figured it out, you got it done. He clearly didn't care about it being on market. Did this buyer care that your deal was on market? Uh, they did not. As soon as I sent it to him, I told him it was on market. I was, I'm not hiding anything. As soon as they yeah. Google the address, they're going to yeah, find, find out. All right. So I said, this is an on market. Well, first I asked, I said, do you do on market deals? And as soon as they said yes, then I said, all right, here's the information. Here's the price. You know, Great. Go from there. Yeah. So Lance, uh, you'll run into, if you haven't yet, uh, some buyers are just don't do on market and it's fine. Just move on, right? Like there's right. a buyer for your deal. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, fa- I found that from the first one. People that didn't know the wholesale you know, yeah. strategy or whatever, they're like, how are you selling me this for $74,000 and when it's on market for one forty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't get it. Yeah. They don't get it. There's a Uh, lot of people that just are misinformed with how on-market works. And they just, the fundamentals are confusing for people because it's on-market and there's an agent when really the fundamentals haven't changed one bit. 
you have a contract. The list price is just the list price. It doesn't mean a thing. What matters is your contract. So your contract is below your price you're offering it for. And there you go. Like done. Easy. Yep. Did either agent on the list side have any issues with you wholesaling it? Did they bring up any concerns? So the second one, yes. Because I'm pretty sure he went to war for me for the 85, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So he fought to get you 85, and now they're finding out that you're assigning it for 11 grand more. Correct. Okay. Um, so I did, I had to have that conversation. What did you say to him when he's like, what's going on here? I see you're assigning your contract for $11,000. What the heck's going on here? Did he, how'd you manage that? Yeah. So I was hundred percent honest with him. I told him that this was, you know, the plan from the beginning to fix and flip it myself deal fell through. And I said, you had two options. Either I back out of the contract and it makes you look bad. And the contract goes in and out again, or we all make a profit and I assign this contract to somebody. And you and everybody gets what I said they'd get. Seller gets what they're going to get. You're going to get your commissions. Everybody's nothing's changing here. And it's common for an agent when they find out that you're doing an assignment for them to get weirded out. Their primary concern is, am I going to get paid? Am I going to look bad to the seller? Right. So you just walk through some of that. But as long as you reassure them, what are they going to do? Bust up the deal? No. Correct. They're not going to bust up the deal. They don't want to see it fall apart. So you just, you just work through it with them. That's all. Correct. Yeah. I I just made the assurance that, Hey, which has only been one contract, but I said, I've never backed out of a contract and not went through with a contract, which I'm not lying because I've only did one contract. I just reassured him that trust me, everything's going to, everybody's going to get their money. It's just a matter of reassuring that agent, helping them feel comfortable that you're going to perform on the contract. And guys, you know, I say this over and over again when we talk about on market. Here's the most genius thing about it. There's the brilliance in it all. Lance did both these deals. So now, what, 17,000, right? In assignments. And how much did you spend in marketing costs to find those leads? Uh, Zero. Zero, man. Yeah. Zero in marketing costs to do 17,000 in assignments. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? I mean, that's awesome. It is because yeah, I'm learning what marketing really costs. It's not cheap. No, (laughs) no, No, it's not cheap. Marketing for private sellers is very expensive, and it's uh, it's an investment. It's great. It works. You can get deals. It's a different animal, but it costs money for sure. So you got to be prepared to spend that money to get the leads, and and the and spend the money on the tools and stuff, right, to get the leads and close. Whereas on market, you don't have any of that. So. Very good. Awesome, Lance. What was the biggest thing you think you've learned going through those two deals? Any big takeaways you want to share? Stay close to your real estate agents that you've made offers with and so forth. I just actually lost out on a triple digit flip. Ooh. Yes. I went through my phone. I have all my realtors listed, right? So I went through my phone, sending them just to follow. Hey, if you have any pocket listings, you know, yada, yada, yada. I sent that one out. He responds back to me the next day. Hey, this one is going live right now. I looked at the numbers, ARV, everything. It's listed for 200K. I could have purchased it for 220K and made like 120, you know, then take away everything. So profit, I don't know, 90K maybe or something like that. But when we went out to look at a property, there was a lot of investors, right? I got outbid. But the thing is, he said, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't let you know. I knew about this a week ago. If I would have remembered you, we would have locked it out at listing price. So I would have got it for $200,000 under what I could have offered it for. 
Yep. And he said, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, it was on me. I didn't do my part as far as making sure you're aware of me and I'm still out here. That was an expensive lesson to learn, but so powerful. So guys, I, I hope uh, you caught what happened here. Yes. The agent was willing to do a pocket listing. He would have let Lance get the deal at asking price before it went on market, before the craziness happened with all the buyers overbid because of the double dip relationship, he would have done that, but he forgot to call Lance and Lance forgot to follow up and stay in front of them. So lesson here is stay in front of your agents. What that means is, is it means follow up often. Always ask agents that you're working with that you make contact with, hey, you got anything? You got anything for sale I can look at? You got anything I can make a cash offer on? Got any deals coming up that I can work with you on? How can I help you? What do you need? Stay in front of that agent because you want to be front and center. When that agent gets another distressed property, you want them thinking, oh, I got to call Lance. Lance is my boy. Lance is my guy. I'm going to call Lance. I got another deal. Yeah, that, that was heartbreaking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but I will follow it. If it does come out of contract, it is mine 100%. That's right, because you've already because you have that relationship. Yes. That agent's yeah. going to let you get it for sure. Right. I guess the biggest takeaway is just not being scared to make mistakes. I, I knew nothing. I've never closed on a house. I've never done anything like that. And just going through the whole process, you you, you will learn. If you didn't learn, you you wouldn't be, you know, a beginner at it. You know, uh, yeah. Every everybody beginner. had to start. Everybody had to start from somewhere. Yeah. Every expert was once a beginner, right? I mean, that's the honest truth about it. And so that you learn more going through those two deals than you could ever learn watching videos or reading or whatever, right? It's that imperfect action. That's where you're going to have the most growth and the most learning. You know, everybody listening, take a principle, learn a strategy or a technique, and then immediately go apply it. Go through that learning process. You're going to accelerate the amount of growth you have in the business by doing that, like Lance. I mean, your next deal is going to be another set of learning and you're going to keep getting better and better and better. We said in the very beginning, the goal now is to get a pipeline, get enough deals going, build some consistency, get some processes and systems in place, and then be able to go full time. And when you make that transition, Lance, it's life changing because right now you're still dividing your time. So you've got to split your energy between yeah. the job, you know, and this. And you'll see how magical it gets when you can go full focus on it because you can only really do one thing at a time. We, we think we can multitask, but the reality is, is multitasking is not true. It's, it's false. You're, right. So all you're really doing is you're having to reset your attention every single time you switch tasks, which is losing productivity because you got to kind of start over every single time. Whereas the highly concentrated amounts of time into one thing is going to yield you the biggest return for your time, energy, and effort. But it's everything's a process, right? You're working there. You've got goals. You're getting there. You're it's working. It's actually working. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, and for me, I, I like to prove people wrong. So that, that's probably the most exciting thing for me, right? Oh yeah, everyone that told you it doesn't work, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? Oh, yeah, yeah, the market market's too hot. There's no you're way. The, it's no. too competitive. I've heard about yep. you can't you can't do on market in Florida. I've heard all of it. And here you are living right. proof that none of that's true. Hey, everybody, leave a comment right now. Say, Lance, you are a flipping genius. <laughs> and congratulations on your success, Lance. Love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Please share with me when you're doing these deals. I want to I want to follow and hear about your success and your progress and love it. Yeah. So you're a flipping genius, Lance. Keep up the good work.